Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're here with Julian Mills. He's with Mills & Co. Real Estate. Julian, we'd love to kick these off with a fun story. So could you just start us off with your craziest real estate transaction that you have experienced? (laughs) So I will actually bring up, it wasn't actually a transaction. It was a horror story of one of my tenants. So I got a call at, I think it was like 2 a.m. And usually I don't get any calls because I set up a virtual receptionist. But this person had my actual number from when I first started. So I get a call and I'm like, yo, 2 a.m., I'm not answering. (laughs) Call me again, 2 a.m., I'm not answering. So they text Mm -hmm. me. Man, I guess the house got shot up. So I invest in... What? Yeah, I invest in... Um, I wouldn't say it. It's where I grew up. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. So it's not the best there. <laughs> but uh, it was funny because the lady, she, the other side, because it's a double, the other side never called me. Whoa. As if it was like normal. Duh. But the other side, I mean, got wow. lit up by a semi-automatic and everything else. And the girl was like, I'm not living here. I've already paid my rent. I finished up this month. I'm moving out. The other side didn't say nothing. And the bullet went through there. Oh damn. So I'm sitting there just oh, like, wow. are they ever going to call me? So I didn't bring it up. Mm-hmm. I just asked if they're ever going to call me. Never did. Wow. But I, I grew to learn that the individual on the other side, it was either, I think that was his baby mama and he was living with his girlfriend and him in the other side. So there was more to the story that it was more or less caused by him than I knew about it. But literally the dude was dating a girl living with her and then his baby mama and his kid was another year. Didn't know. I didn't know until after all this happened. (laughs) Yeah, that that's my little story. Craziest time. That one's still actually vacant. I let that thing cool out for two to three months. So (laughs) nothing happened to people. Oh, man. What what, what kind of neighborhood was that? You know, unfortunately, I've been caught in a line of fire, too, um, in West Garfield Park in Chicago. Chicago is known for having some rough areas. Just kind of curious. So honestly, what's there's actually some new properties that are built right next door to it like in the same area so it's actually a decent it's a decent area um but it's caught right on the corner so it's kind of on a main street so that's how the people were able to get in get out because that's not normal over there so they literally just parked on the corner and just lit the house up with a semi-automatic almost looked like we were kind of guessing it was like a Draco, but um, yeah, yeah, they they lit wow. it up, Crazy. and so I, I could I never I I have lived in that place every summer because of Springfield, Ohio, and I've been around things, but that's the first time it really hit close to home because I just want to make sure everybody was all right, and that's the reason why I haven't moved anybody in, and the inside is 
Torah. That is so crazy. For real. So this is Springfield, Ohio. Yes. Yeah. So we have some some investors that buy in Springfield. So like, you know, we probably put seven to ten in contract there in the last two or three months. And I always thought it was interesting because I live in California and it's like out here duplexes are like six hundred thousand, eight hundred thousand. And then we get some properties in Springfield under contract duplexes for forty thousand. Uh, <laughs> different game. Oh, that's why I love it. I literally when so one of the deals that I had, I ten thirty one exchanged into five properties. Literally five doubles, cash flowing five thousand a month, sixty five thousand a piece on the same street. <laughs> there you go. Awesome. Like literally, yeah. it's like monopoly. It's so funny because, <laughs> and I was upset because the dude had two other more, uh, two other doubles that were a little bit farther off the street, but he wouldn't sell them to me because he used their garages. And I was like, dude, just give me all mm. of them. But, um, <laughs> but nah, it's been fun, man. Springfield is a different, different animal. Um, you got to know where to invest in that area. Like, yeah, no doubt. So um, you have had the opportunity at a very young age to not only invest heavily, and we're going to get into the story of, of your ascension, your insane rise in the last 15 months, but you also have had the opportunity to work at the NBA. So if you wouldn't mind taking our audience through, one, what was that journey like? But but it, but give us some of the detail you gave us on the pre-show. Like, what's it like to work in the NBA? I know there's so many people out there that have aspirations of being in the NBA or, or working in the NBA. Give us the real scoop of what it's like. Honestly, as a kid growing up playing basketball, working in the NBA was a dream. Um, I had always mm -hmm. envisioned playing basketball at that level. But as you start getting older and you start seeing, like, your natural gifts compared to some other natural gifts, things that you can't control, such as height, um, athleticism, things that you're like born with and blessed to have that, like when you realize that you understand, okay, your placement, but after going to college, everything else, how it all, how it all played out is it was, I, I was lucky. I literally, saw a guy that I played basketball against growing up. His name's BJ Johnson. Um, he is he is my mentor, the guy that got me started in real estate. And I'll explain that later. He was actually the one that got me started. I literally just saw him. I said, hey, do you have any internships? Because I needed an internship to graduate. Next thing you know, he was like, no, not that I know of, but I'll call you. He called me a week later, said, had an internship. That internship turned into working with USA Basketball the following year after getting a free unpaid internship. Then that led into, hey, what NBA team do you want to work for? And I'm like, huh? Mm -hmm. You just like, you're asking And you me, get to pick? Like, <laughs> what? And he's like, yeah, what NBA team would you want to work for? So I said Spurs. So he said, okay, um, call him or give me his number. And he was referring to the general manager. R.C. Buford. We have this wow. thing called a red book that gets supplied to all the general managers because you need to have contact information for that of other NBA teams. So working at USA Basketball, they had one. So he let me go look it up, everything else. I texted him the number. Next thing you know, he called him. 
And a week later, I get a call and saying, would you want to work for their G League team? And they were all like, well, wow. the the head team, obviously, Spurs, all their internships are um, taken. So would you want to work for the G League? I said, yeah, no question. Mm-hmm. So next thing you know, I started working with the Spurs, their G League team called the Austin Spurs. And then from there, I just each year I took a step up. I went I went from the Spurs, Austin Spurs, G League in the video room. And for anybody that watches basketball, it's just like Eric Spolstra. Eric Spolstra for the Miami Heat, he started as a video intern. That was the same thing that I did. But when I moved on to Golden State, because when I worked with USA Basketball, Mike Brown, I had helped out during the Toronto Pan Am games with USA Basketball. So I called him. He knows Steve Kerr. So mm-hmm. he helped along with USA Basketball. All of them helped me get a job with them. Then wow. from there, Earl Watson was assistant coach at the Austin Spurs. He gets the head job at the Phoenix Suns. So he calls me immediately like, yo, he, he wanted me because I had just worked with him in the Spurs. Uh-oh. Then... After that, that's when I got fired because I was his guy. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, I got a job with uh, the Houston Rockets a year later. And so, but a day in the life of a video guy, man, it, it is amazing. You wake up, go to the gym. You got <laughs> breakfast by a chef in the morning. When we were at Golden State, oh, breakfast in the morning, chef catered, omelets, whatever you like, smoothies. Then you got a catered lunch. And so sometimes it's like Ruth Chris. It's it's like high-end nice because a lot of these guys have diets. So Mm -hmm. some guys have diets of no sugar. And you would be surprised how how energetic those people are from having Mm -hmm. a diet of no sugar. They say it's very hard to do to get to that point because you go through the headaches and everything else. But I mean, like they provide everything for those individuals. So I'm as, as an intern, I was sitting there living my best life. Cause we already ain't getting paid that much. So we take to go place. Like when they went on the road and we didn't travel that trip, uh, we taking the salads. Cause they would have a whole bunch of salads. We would just take them with us. And then we would never buy groceries. So we would eat. The, we would come into the office, go eat the cereal for breakfast because they're going to have to throw it out because it's going to go bad if it doesn't get eaten. So we were like, well, instead of them throwing it away, we'll be the garbage disposal. You know, let us eat it for free. <laughs> there you go. So, but it, it's been an experience, man. Like, I, I was truly blessed and fortunate to do something that I love to do for five years out of my life. So, yeah. Got to be around professional basketball players. What was the social life like? <laughs> being around nba players yeah sometimes you think you're an athlete um no honestly (laughs) honestly because the because it's crazy like when you're in that life like i talk to my friends it's surreal and you you think that's normal when you're embedded in it and everything else you think it's normal where you never wait in line 
Like you have access, everything's free for you. Like everything that you dream of is all I'm going to say is provided to you and at your fingertips. I mean, everything as a man and their desires, everything is there is all I'm going to say. And when I talk about a truly good time, like there's some stories that obviously I wouldn't divulge on here because it's a public forum, but mm-hmm. it it is, it's just crazy. Like some of the things that you get to experience and at the age of 25, like when I was really, really at my like peak of basketball industry, it, it was unreal, man. Like the things I've got to experience times of being in Vegas, at summer league, um, getting to travel to every NBA city um, and staying in five-star hotels. Like you invite somebody over, they're just like, wow, you're staying here. And I'm like, I ain't affording the bill, but yes, I am. (laughs) I can't afford this. So (laughs) don't think this is normal, but yeah. Crazy. So how'd you know? I mean, obviously that was a life you had, it sounds like, for like five or so years. How'd you know it was time to transition to something different? So I really, I didn't have a choice. So Hmm. um, I was working my way up. All the progressions were coming. Um, And then I had the setback of when Earl got fired, the head coach of Phoenix at the time. He got fired. So since he brought me in, I got fired because I was his guy regardless of my work ethic, everything. And I had only spent a year and I think three months at um, that level. So usually when you get fired, you usually have to take a step back or at the same level. Hardly ever do you get a promotion after being fired. Mm -hmm. So I had just got a full time job like I'm being I'm pretty much the right hand man to the head coach. And I'm living my best life. I'm happy, set. When I got fired, mm-hmm. I had to take a step down. They were paying at first. They said they were only going to pay me um, a few months, but then they extended it all the way to the to the end of the year. So I'm like, man, I'm about to live my best life. I get to get paid mm-hmm. for the rest of the year. Man, I mean, enjoyed my life. But when that ended, I knew it was going to end. I had to figure something out. And so I wasn't smart with that money. I'll be honest. It wasn't smart. I just enjoyed my life. Um, But then I got a job a little bit into the next season um, with the Houston Rockets. So I was out for like a year and some change. Um, But I got a job with the Houston Rockets. And that was in the scouting department. And that went on. And then I didn't get hired back. So, and I didn't know where to kind of stand with that. So because of that, I had to figure out life. I'm like, man, what am I about to do? And I burnt through a lot of the money that I had saved working with them because it was such a pay cut. And my standard of living was higher than that. And even by me cutting back my means, it still wasn't enough to cover it. Because at those beginning level positions, it don't cut everything that you need. So it, it's tough. So after that, I had to figure out what to do. And my my dad was mainly the influential person of like, yo, I got to do something. Like, 
because I went back to move yeah. back with him. And he's like, man, you got to do something. Uh, and so I ended up getting a job at a bank, at Bank of America. Um, hated it. Hated it. Every mm-hmm. day I went to work. <laughs> I can only imagine after the NBA. Oh, my goodness. And it, you, you get, how do you put it? You never understand until you're out of it. Like when I took basketball for granted and when I had to go work that daily bank job doing something that I didn't want to do, it was a wake up call. And I was like, yo, I got to figure something out. I can't. mm -mm. This this is not happening. My life is not going to be like this. Um, (laughs) And so I just made a vow to myself at the beginning of um, what was it? I think um 2020 i think it was 2020 2021 whatever it was but i said i was like yo i gotta figure something out and i said i was going i was going to dive fully into real estate and so beautiful yeah and then from there i didn't turn back so then obviously this huge work ethic you've developed in the NBA, because you have this essentially this crazy disparity between this lifestyle lived by multimillionaires and all the pleasures and all that stuff that comes with it. But also, these guys probably have some pretty badass work ethics, to, right? To get to this level, do you feel like there's carryover between the work ethic you had to develop in these organizations to your success in real estate? Yep, that's the exact correlation that I always tell people because. There, we were working anywhere from 60 to 80 hours on a regular week. Like, that's Mm -hmm. normal. Like, you don't really have a social life. And if you do, you sacrificed your sleep that night to where you didn't sleep. And so (laughs) learning how to just put your head down and work all the time. Because, for instance, a video intern, you got to break down games. The fastest ever I've ever broken down a game, I think, was 50 minutes. And that's me inputting all play calls, all actions, personnel, everything. It's like typing. But you can only go as fast as that thing fast forwards. But you got to be able to see it and Mm -hmm. be able to picture, okay, this is that person, this is that action. So you can't just fast forward really fast. You got to fast forward it just enough to where you can see the actions. So um, there's sometimes where we have to do four games in a night and you're choosing to go out or do four games at night. Sometimes you played and did both. So when you talk about no sleep, that was normal. But the 60 to 80 hour work weeks, I just applied it to real estate. And I'm like, okay, if I can work this bank job and everything else, I can still wake up at four o'clock in the morning, go do my work before, go to work, come home, take a little break and do more work to prepare for the next day. And if I just do this and grind it out, then eventually like I'll get somewhere. Cause we always talked about the 1% every day and I know it's cliche, but that's Mm -hmm. literally what all these guys do every day like Stephen Curry for instance Steph this dude I literally rebounded for him he went around the perimeter Mm -hmm. so you're taking a shot in the corner and then you take a shot or a step to your right and shoot again you have a passer you have two rebounders so 
He does all he has to do is shoot and move, shoot and move. That's all he has to concentrate on doing. Doesn't have to get his rebound, nothing. This dude went 89 for 100. Damn. What? 89 <laughs> for 100. And then at the three-point line. At the three-point. NBA three. And then was upset because the last one rimmed in and out because he won at night. Hmm. I know dudes that can't shoot free yeah. throws and get 89. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> right. it's crazy because an individual that's so good at his craft and everything else, he still works on it every day religiously. And seeing mm-hmm. his work ethic for an individual that is literally – at the head of the class, he's at the top of his profession. He's consistently the worked. best ever. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Like you think, oh, man, he's going to take a day off. No. No. He's one of the most religious people. He's like religious in his work ethic. And I've been able to see right, it. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but just seeing that and everything else, and it's like that 1% every day at this level is a true thing. And the hearing the stories of kobe um hearing the stories of mj because i'm around individuals that were around these people so they would tell us these stories Mm -hmm. and that's all they talked about like all they talked about so just taking that same work ethic knowing i'm working a job i hate i'm like i know eventually that light at the end of the tunnel is going to get brighter and brighter to where i'm not doing this anymore and now i'm free yeah and so totally. I did that for a little um, over a year, um, only because I had to qualify for a loan to purchase my personal residence. And once I literally closed on it and moved out here, I quit. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So so let's just on a side tangent before we dive into the to your portfolio. Let's talk about Steph Curry for a bit. What does that guy's day look like <laughs> so, when he's working? So it comes in right before practice. Um, sometimes usually if he has to do any training stuff, he might lift before or after. But a, a simple day for him, honestly, is to come in right before practice, either work out, not work out, go to practice, work out, 
um, do what he, the necessary, um, get shots up. And then if he can, he'll sneak away and go with Andre and go golfing on a practice day. So mm-hmm. they, they were big about trying to get nine to 18 holes in real quick before they went home. Mm-hmm. Um, but typically, and then sometimes if he wanted to, he would come in late and shoot. Uh, but I was never around for those times unless like I just accidentally walked in when I was coding, coding games and they were in there. Like he didn't reach out to me cause I wasn't his guy. Um, but typical day is literally you go to practice, you, um, shoot, work out, and then you leave. But he, he would try to throw in some golfing, um, every now and then like that. They, they don't play about their golfing. Like he'll bring his golf clubs on the road, everything like, um, him and Andre. I mean, Andre was my guy. I loved Andre. Um, such a good dude. He would he would um, recommend books for me and whatnot. So oh, cool. Yeah. He, he so he was pretty into self development. Yes, very big. Um, he's very big in venture capitalism. Um, so that's mm, that's kind of okay. where his thing is as venture. Um, and seeing how you're in Golden State and Oakland, Silicon Valley up there, like they they have a lot of opportunities up there. So yeah, totally. Yeah, and I've heard that. Like, so the greatest source of millionaire makers is in real estate, but the greatest source of billionaire makers is in business. And so, you know, from a venture capital standpoint, it's, it's fun. If you can master that game, you can accelerate your wealth on an, on an extremely quick level. Oh, that's, that's my end game, honestly, because of having those connections and everything else. The goal is to kind of build this up to have some discretionary income to be able to get into that because I actually got connected. I didn't even know the guy at the time. Um, it was his partner in all the venture capitalism. He would always sit courtside. I had never known because I'm just the little guy in the back. Um, I actually got mm-hmm. connected with him a little over a year ago. His guy that does all the venture capitalism. And he, we have like this group that we have together that I'm a part of, um, different NBA scouts around the league came together and kind of formed like an investor group. It's like a real select like group of people. Um, he's actually in it and I didn't know. And he's the only person that wasn't working in the NBA that got brought in. And I was like, yo, did you ever, he was like, yeah, I was always courtside. And then I started thinking about Mm -hmm. it and I'm like, Oh, I do remember you. And so ever since then, we've connected and stayed mm-hmm. in touch. But that's my end all be all is to get into venture. Um, just because, like you said, the most billionaire makers are in venture and business. Just such a tremendous story overall from beginning to end. Uh, one thing I want to note specifically, um, your network at almost every level of your journey has helped you get to the next step. And I just think that's so incredibly important to point out because a lot of people neglect their network. Um, network is your net worth, man. And that's just, there's no truer saying I've ever heard. And and your experience is a great exp- um, expression of that. Yeah. I've, I've Like I said, I've been blessed and I've been fortunate, been in the right places at the right time. Um, there's been times where I haven't been, like it hasn't all went perfect, but, um, 
I've always learned and just tried to be my true authentic self. Whatever happens, happens. Um, whatever comes my way, comes my way. Whatever doesn't, doesn't. wasn't meant, meant to be. Um, but yeah, the basketball thing kind of really taught me about the networking aspect of things because that's how you get another job. They don't post it online. It's, mm-hmm. oh, Mike Brown just got hired by Sacramento. Okay, I know him. I can text him. Hey, do you have anything mm-hmm. available? You might not get a response, but you might get a response. Or his his new mm-hmm. head coach is Jay Triano, his top assistant. I worked with him in, um, in Phoenix. He was a top assistant in Phoenix. So if I was back in the NBA, that would be the first person I hit is, hey, Jay, what do you got? Y'all have any open positions, everything else? And that's how you have to grind and get your way up. And organically, as long as you did good work and whatnot, and you garnered their respect, they'll give you an opportunity. They'll throw your name out there and say, hey, oh, we got Julian. What do you think of him? Oh, I remember I worked with him in Toronto, the Pan Am games. Oh, yeah, I like him. Maybe we should interview him for this spot. Because they'll they'll have their top like five positions, top five coaches. But from there, they might try to get other opportunities for other people for individuals that were already there or individuals that they want to give a shot to and expand their network of people. And the Spurs was the biggest people on network because they they hire you for your network. If you have connections to mm-hmm. all of these people and they know that they don't have connections to these people, they're all like, well, we need to bring him in because we don't have connections to that. Uh, and oh, it's like ancient Europe, man. That's how they used to get everything done. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's where for me, it, it was just a learning experience. Like it. I, I truly am blessed. Like, I can't say it enough by my network of people, because if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be in the position. One of the guys, um, not to name drop, but I'll keep doing it. We call him Memo. Um, he, he's Turkish and he, he played in the league, but he inspires me so much, um, only because I see his lifestyle and this man lives in San Diego by all the who's who's. And I think his property is like 10,000 square feet. But every time, like I think of doing anything like crazy or having big purchases, I'll, I'll text him and I'll be like, yo, what do you think of this? Hmm. And he, he calls me junior money. He'd be all like, not yet, <laughs> not yet, wait. <laughs> Cause I, I was looking at a watch. I was looking at a $20,000 watch Yeah. and he's big on watches. And I sent it to him. He's like, that's nice. He was like, but why? I'm like, because I'm around you all. He was like, watches will always come. Get your money up. Mm-hmm. And he always says, get your money up, Junior. Like, and that's awesome, man. because he made multi-millions. And now that I'm getting into the million dollar net worth and everything else crossing those barriers, he's like, dude, it's funny how when you start making more money, you spend less money. Because mm-hmm. you don't need those things. You don't like that's it, right. The fact that you can afford them, true. that's good enough. Like, I know I can exactly. walk in here and buy mm-hmm. Why though? So 
And you don't need to fill that void, right? Exactly. Yeah, you don't, you don't need to fill that void because often when you have that level of success, you have fulfillment too. So you don't need to fill that gap at all. Mm-hmm. It's just not necessary. Exactly. And even though it's kind of tough, though, because I really did want to, I think it was a hue blow and it was limited to like <laughs> 250 pairs. And I mean, it was nice. I don't have nothing like that. But then when I did the math, I'm like, I bought one property for I think it was either 22 or 28,000 that brings in 950 a month religiously. Mm. <laughs> so That's beautiful. You're going to tell me so much gonna, cash flow. Oh, yeah. And it's a terrible property. I'll be honest. It's a terrible property. But one lady (laughs) is on some kind of disability um, to where her money is managed by somebody else. And they send a check every third of the month religiously. Automatically. Automatically. Mm -hmm. And she has never once called me. Never once. Then I have another person. I don't know how they live next to each other because that lady has like 13 cats and those are by the ones that we've counted. And there was like <laughs> ones running in and out. It, it was wild. But the other one. Oh yeah, guarantee there's at least four hidden. Yes. And that's where it's like they just pop <laughs> out and it'd be all like, yo, what? Uh-huh. But literally that property brings in. It's like cockroaches. Exactly. <laughs> um, no, but they. Yeah, they're hiding in the walls and stuff. <laughs> the other lady pays 500 and they've never missed a payment. And I mean, it is the worst property I have right now. And I'll be the first one to tell you it's terrible, terrible. But my realtor called me and he was like, hey, do you want this property? He's all like, they pay on time every time. He's like, but it's, it's nasty. <laughs> and so I sent my guy over there and he was like, dude, don't buy this. I was like, why? He was like, it's disgusting. Like, I don't want to walk in here. I was like, well, buy it. I'm going to buy it. Bought it. I think <laughs> I I have not had, I'll take that back. I had to cut some brush, bushes down. Outside of that, they have never called me. Yeah, which I guess makes sense, right? I mean, like the reason it's so disgusting is because they, <laughs> they don't call. Yeah, they that's don't their lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Hey, but. And then at. At four hundred bucks a month cash flow or whatever you got cash flow on that property, it pays itself off in what two or three years. Yeah, that's the reason why I bought it. Or, yeah, <laughs> it was so bad that the appraiser wouldn't even walk through the property. Oh wow! Yeah, he refused to walk through the property because he couldn't get access to the basement and everything else because it stunk mm-hmm. because of the cats and the pee and everything else that. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, I can only imagine the smell. Oh, disgusting. Those are the best properties to buy by far. Yes. So the oh, exactly. property, we, we, we bought an acre, a property on an acre in, in a good part of town. But when we walked in, it, it had a lot of problems and they let their animals poop all over the place. So we walk in, I have my daughter with me. She's covering up. She's like, daddy, don't buy this one. And <laughs> I'm like, looking at this. I want it. This is exactly <laughs> what we're going to buy. Well, the cool thing about like uh, pet stains and stuff like that, that stuff's easy to fix. I mean, when you're walking it, it smells terrible. But, you know, new carpet, new paint, I mean, it's pretty much gone. You might have to change some plywood every once in a while. But, I mean, it's an easy fix. Yeah. Like I said, I plan on selling that before I do any renovations, and I'm going to sell it for what I got it for. Because that's... After you collected cash for years. Yep. And that lady is not going to move out anytime soon because... I'm not planning on raising no rent. 
and I'm just going to let them live. And hey, mm. it's cool with me. Yeah. So you've been able to live all over the country doing these jobs. I'm, I'm assuming you were probably moving to Texas, moving to Phoenix, moving to California. You're investing in Ohio, which it sounds like is where you grew up. What, what brings you back to Ohio for investing? Is it the, is it the small purchase prices? What, what guides you there as opposed to some other places? So it was the barrier to entry, um, the price. Um, because it was a lower barrier to entry to get into rentals, everything else because of the price point. That was a reason why, and I was familiar with the area. And so the next thing is, is I'm really close with my grandma. Me and her actually share the same birthday. So she lives in Springfield. So it's a tax write-off of going to see my properties. So because of that, I was like, man, it makes sense because I can go see my family and everything else. I can write it off because I'm going to do business because I'm going to go see all my properties, buy more properties. And now when I go, I just stay with her. So I get to stay with my grandma, lay on my grandma every time I come into the house, everything. And she hates it. But I do it every time. But I get to go see my properties. And it, it was just a win-win. Um, and now I'm looking to expand by that experience of living elsewhere. Uh, I want to move to Texas. Or I, I live in Texas currently. But I want to expand the wholesaling piece to Texas. Because now I can just go drive and see a property. It's a whole lot harder getting mm -hmm. other people to do other things and it costs me more. Um, but it allowed me to build my engine of all these rentals to where now I can start maneuvering and doing things that I like and that I really want to and passionate about. Absolutely. That makes a ton of sense. So let's talk about what you have built. Mm -hmm. So we were going over this before 15 month period. You currently have 29 properties. Like what kind of strategies did you use to, to grow that portfolio so quickly? And as you mentioned before, you have quite a bit of equity already too. I mean, it's just a massive amount of growth in a 15 month period. Let's kind of go through how that happened. So my very first property I ever bought, I told you, um, it was a living residence. So I bought that 97.3 conventional loan. Um, through USAA, I think it was at that time. Um, and I did that and I, uh, what was it? Rental arbitrage or I forget what it is. No, house hacking, mm -hmm. house hacking, house hacking. Um, mm -hmm. I rent out the rooms. So I'm working in the MBA with two roommates because that's what I've been doing and at my own house with no expenses. So I was, I was living my best life. Still wasn't saving no money, which I should have had a whole lot more, <laughs> but that, that kind of was a start. But when I got fired and I made that decision, um, when I was moving back to, um, Albuquerque where my dad is. So after Houston didn't bring me back, there was this deal that I was looking at, founded on the MLS. It was uh, a package of properties in Springfield. Do one at 90,000 for three properties. And I'm like looking at the values and I'm like, man, this what? So I called the guy because it was for sale by owner. I called him and I knew him. He actually had done work 
on one of my properties. Like I didn't know him, know him, but I knew of him and he knew who I was. Um, and so what's it called? That allowed me to get him under contract for 90,000. And I said, Hey, can we owner finance this? He said, what does that mean? Yeah, buddy. He was like, well, I'll pay you in 45 days, but I've already got pre-approved from the bank to have a loan. All I need you to do is owner finances, put this in my name, and then in 45 days, you'll get paid out. He said, I don't know how that's going to work, but okay, let's do it. So I was like, all right, went straight to the bank, gave him that. It appraised for 168000 <laughs> so um take that back i actually had one other property that i had previously bought but i just did the traditional i put five thousand dollars down so i had that one mm -hmm. but that one i bought for fifty thousand my dad helped me and put five thousand down as well so that was like off just me trying to experiment in it but <clears throat> we did that i re uh, refinanced that one with it. So it came to 220,000 altogether. They gave me a $35,000 line of credit. They gave me 5,000 in my pocket, gave him 90,000 and I had cash flowing mm -hmm. properties. So my next deal, <laughs> I literally was working at the bank, like in my office on the desk with my phone under the dust on auction.com <laughs> seriously won a bid on auction.com at work under my desk on a phone. I got it for 14,000 <laughs> with my line of credit, 14,000 unsight unseen. Just this is a house, right? Yes. Like, I mean, this is like so hard to understand. Mm -hmm. Like it's not like, it's not a car. Oh, or something. I auction.com like auction.com I used to mine the shit out of auction.com that used to be a gold mine in my area unfortunately some other people caught on it's not what it used to be but I mean it could be a gold mine it, it depends on your market one of the coolest parts about auction.com is if you buy a lot from them they will send you their whole inventory they'll send you what the minimum bid is it's like wow. tell us tell us what you want um <laughs> so I was working with this dude in Idaho um, and he was, had like 50 teams across the United States and we were flipping houses for him. So uh, he got that exclusive list, man. Um, and, you know, Chicago, dude, I mean, I used to get like 50 properties a week, a week minimum to look at. So I would underwrite all 50 um, and <laughs> make a ton of offers, man. I mean, it was a ton of work, man. I loved auction.com, but it, it's not what it used to be, at least in my market. Yeah, I, I haven't got another property uh, off of there since, but literally it was 14,000 unsight unseen. I'm just sitting there like, man, I'm just taking a chance. I ain't care. I was like, I'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> and this was my first bad contractor. So I went through to the same guy that just sold me the three properties for 90,000. I said, Hey, I just bought this one. Can you renovate? I paid him 20,000 and literally should have never paid him. Like he ripped me off terrible. So I guess he got me back in the end um, on that one, but oh, well. I got a tenant moved in and everything else. Then the next property, because I had paid that with my line of credit, my tax lady came in. So my tax lady seeing this stuff, um, seeing what I'm doing, what the possessions that I have, my income, my assets, everything. She was like, 
well, would you want an investor? Like, hmm. all right, what are you talking? <laughs> she was like, well, I have some money saved up and I'm not getting much on my savings account. So is there any projects that you have? Cause I see that you flip one. I'm like, well, I can always use money. I can figure it out. And <laughs> right. I, I said, how much do you want? And she said, like, I have up to 50,000. So I said, okay. So I found a duplex being sold for 40,000. I was like, well, all right, buy it. So I asked her and I said, Hey, I'll give you a point a month. So 12% annual. And that's $400 a month. I know that this thing's bringing in 1100 a month. So who cares about the 400? I get it under possession. And I knew that I only had 35,000, but the property that I had just flipped, um, or just renovated, I was going to burn. Um, but it was worth like 55, 60,000 around there. So what I did was I bought that one cash. And then I came to the bank, brought both together, did a blanket mortgage, refinanced out, paid her back, and I was good to go. I got both those for free. Again. Now I had the line of credit again. Um, and then after that is when I 1031 exchange, I sold my property, 1031 exchanged um, into five properties. So I had those and then I literally would just offer people. And that property you sold was the property in Texas, right? It was actually your in primary, Phoenix. Your former primary? So it was in Phoenix. Oh, Phoenix yeah. yeah. Um, I had sold that one. That one got appraised for 320. So I went from 240,000 to 320 um, from in like two, three years, something like that. Um, but then I 1031 exchanged into five properties that was cash flowing 5,000 a month then for 325,000. And they were all on the same street. Literally, it's just a whole bunch of duplexes mm -hmm. on one street. And it's like, I got three on this side of the street, two on this side. And now I own another property at the end of the street. It's not technically on the street, mm -hmm. but it's on the other one. And so I got six properties, like I can literally walk within five minutes all around to each one. So, but I'm super convenient for managing. Assets. Yeah. But I main managed to start borrowing people's money, use owner finance, the bird method, blanket mortgages. Um, I would just literally combine all of that, buy it cash for a low price um, and then refinance at a higher price with multiple properties. Um, and then I got into flipping. My first flip was terrible. Um, <laughs> I, I still think that they're trying to come at me, but they don't realize that it's sold as is in the contract. If you read all the jargon and everything else, then I'm not <laughs> responsible for it. So I've done everything that you asked me to, but yeah, it's been, it's been a good time, man. Basically now, so you built this portfolio, 29 properties, lots of cash flow, great equity, which is such an amazing thing, right? Coming off the NBA, had spent, had a great time living your best life, as you put it. Basically starting from scratch, you built this thing that more or less can set you free to do all kinds of things. So what's next? Honestly, I want to build an investment company. Um, just because in my community, 
and everything else. We're not taught this. And in most communities, you're not really taught this. It's like, I have a degree in finance and accounting, and I never once was really taught about the power of real estate. They taught me about stocks, bonds, mm -hmm. all that stuff, but never once did they talk about real estate. And being able to do what I've done in such a short period and now seeing the power of this, being able to influence people, help other people. Um, I really kind of want to build like an investment company because the relationships that I've built with other people um, to where I've helped them make money. Yeah, I've made a lot of money off of that money, but I've helped them make money mm -hmm. and whatnot and shown them the power of it to where now they're like my father, for instance, he started talking about buying a property. And I'm like, huh? So I started sending them properties. I was like, hey, hey, you like this? You like this? Just to kind of test it. But at first he was he was very hesitant to do it because they're from that older generation. And so mm -hmm. they're very hesitant. They save a lot, but don't really invest. And I'm like, Dad, you're losing money because of inflation, yeah. the power of your dollar. Um, but mm -hmm. just seeing that exposure and what that's done to him has kind of inspired me to want to do that with others. Um, just because like to be able to say you're a millionaire, like that that to me is just a wild concept. Like being in the top one percent, mm -hmm. that's wild to me. Like even when I think about it, I'm like, yo, that's crazy. Mm -hmm. I, I never envisioned that. Like I knew I would make money, but I always thought it was like I'll play sports or be in coaching, not off mm -hmm. of real estate. Mm -hmm. so that's where building an investment company expanding the real estate getting into most likely franchises um just different vehicles different mediums of investment and um kind of hedging my bets really because i got a lot invested in real estate now it's like okay if real estate takes a hit then my whole portfolio takes a hit so now yeah, totally getting into other things to just kind of hedge those bets um, and to consistently mm -hmm. make income and truly be free. It seemed like this all started based on the advice of your that coach that you work with, right? Convincing you to buy a house instead of buying a car. Yep. So from him, honestly, it, it, it was it was crazy because I still thank him to this day. Because when I was telling him how far I've got, he was like, <laughs> he was like, imagine if you would have bought that Mercedes, where you would have been at. And mm -hmm. honestly, that's where I always say it's about the people that are you're around. And I'm very selective with my mm -hmm. friends and who I give my time and energy to because of how much that really affects you. I've been fortunate to where I worked in the NBA, to where a lot of my friends are multimillionaires. And so that's only influenced me to want to get to that point because I'm talking mm -hmm. to my friends and he's like, oh, well, I'll be in Dallas this weekend. Then I, I want to go to Mexico. I'm like, dude, I can't afford that. But now it's like, ah, all right, possibly. Yeah. yeah. But I still don't want to spend that kind of money. But it, it's, mm -hmm. it's one of those things where it's like, because I'm around them, it makes me want to get to that point to where they're not paying mm -hmm. for everything every time we go out to eat. And they expose you to the finer things in life. And I'm sorry, but 
going to Chili's, comparing or going to um, <laughs> STK or Wolfgang Puck or something of the sort, those high-end restaurants, there's a big difference. There's a big difference. Mm-hmm. Like, man, I had never no got question. a medium steak ever in my life and whatnot. I was always well done until I started hanging out with these guys. And now it's like medium. Oh, no, you got to get a medium. At least medium. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no. Mm-hmm. But now it's like, now I understand because I got exposed to that. Mm. And just being around the people like and having that. And I, I can't thank his name's Earl. I can't thank Earl enough because I'm sure he's probably going to listen to this after I tell him. Thank you, Earl. Mm. Such an amazing story. Um, so many places to go, right? I mean, if the audience wants to get a hold of you, Julian, obviously it looks like you're building, you, you enjoy helping people and things of that nature, and obviously you're buying. So, I mean, if they have houses to sell in areas that you're buying, Ohio, so on and so forth, what would be the best way for them to reach out to you? So I have Instagram. Um, the first, it is I am Julian Mills. Um, it's private only because that, but I am about to open it up because I am trying to build my brand. I, I never really shared my story um, because I've just been so focused on building. But um, that's the main one. Um, if you want to email me and you're big on email, it's just management at millsco, like Colorado real estate.com. And no matter what, whoever emails me on that, you'll get a response from me. Um, and so those are kind of the two platforms, um, right now that I have, I do have Twitter. It's, I think the same thing. I am Julian Mills, um, Facebook. My name's Julian Mills, Julian Scott Mills. If you want to add me on Facebook, make it easier for you to search me. Um, but yeah, Mm -hmm. honestly, just reach out. Like truthfully, I'm open. Like my responses aren't the fastest, to be honest. (laughs) <laughs> but, but, um, yeah, I always, I like to help and if we can partner make money together, I'm all down for that. Absolutely tremendous. Um, so Julian, man, we want to sincerely thank you for coming on our show and giving us a glimpse of your life and business and everyone else out there chasing freedom. Freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you do nothing else, just write down one action that you got from today and if you do that correctly, you might be able to build a multi-million dollar portfolio in 15 months. I mean, it's been done. Julian is proof. This is concept proven. Make sure to implement it in the next seven days and share it with somebody you know that can hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you again for tuning in to today's episode. And we'll catch you on the next one. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 